Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Do you subscribe to the Kanzano and Wilner podcast or Kanzano and Wilner the podcast? Well, you should. We've done 33 podcast episodes uh, centering around the Pac-12 conference. They're all available on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, where else? Um, wherever you get a podcast. I don't have to tell you where to get a podcast. If you if you don't know how to find a podcast, we're having another discussion. But go find that podcast. Subscribe to it. Share it with friends. We interviewed uh, Colorado Athletic Director Rick George today. I'll play a couple snippets of our interview with Rick George in this segment so you can just, I can whet your appetite a little bit. But uh, my co-host on that podcast, John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group, is joining us now. John Wilner, Happy New Year. How are you doing? Same to you. Uh, I don't know. Should we do a podcast about how to find podcasts? I feel like I would be, you know, I... I feel like I would be telling people how to set their VCR clock if I did that. Yes. I mean, like, yes. I need to tell my parents where to find a podcast. Like, I could have that conversation with my mom. But I feel like I'd be insulting some of the audience by having that conversation publicly. You you have a very upscale, high-tech, savvy audience, no doubt about it. My audience is good-looking, too. i got to tell you, this <laughs> audience is better-looking. And it's smarter than other sports radio audiences. I don't know if that's saying much, but it's saying it. Uh, can I ask you a question real quick? Because this came up in our household a few minutes ago, just before the start of the show. And I want to ask you your experience on this. I'm just going to throw this at you. Our, our eight-year-old came home from school, and she likes to t- bring her lunch to school. And uh, Stephen and Peter, you guys can join this conversation as well with John Wilner. Um, we noted that our eight-year-old ate almost none of her lunch. And she ate a granola bar. That's what she had while she was at school. She just didn't touch her lunch. Now, I'm not mad at her for it. I want to know what happened there or if she's not hungry or what is going on. Is she distracted at lunch? Do do your kids eat what you pack for them? Do they eat a meal at lunch at school? You know, my 11-year-old son, uh, sometimes that happens to him. And it's not not the lack of uh, hunger, but he ends up you know, chatting with friends or whatever and runs out of time uh, or, or, you know, they have a lunch recess combo. He starts playing Foursquare, just runs out of time. And then, you know, by the last hour or so of school, he hadn't eaten enough. He's hungry and he's uh, he struggles a little bit. So it's a problem. But it's, I, I would ask your daughter was it because she didn't have enough time because she was chit-chatting with her friends, or mm-hmm. was she just not hungry? Yeah, we we've gone through this yeah. with my eight-year-old. Yeah, uh, we just said we he, we figured out that he eats a he's a really slow eater, and so okay. his friends are already going out and playing recess, and he wants uh, to catch up, so he doesn't eat as much. Need to get on it. I know. Hurry up. To, yeah, she is a bit of a slow eater. Like I noted, I note at dinner time, I'll almost be done, and she's talking. She's a talker. So maybe that's the issue. Peter, is your kid eating lunch? 
For the most part, and we've had a conversation, you got to start with the protein and the veggies. You can have the little, say, the granola bar, the sweet. And I'm okay with a few apple slices or pieces of fruit being left over. Sometimes we'll have maybe a third of an apple left. But we had to game plan it. This is what you start with. This is what you follow with. There you go. John Wilner, this is uh, hard-hitting stuff. That's why we put on this three-hour radio show to help parents who have kids coming up. But she came through the door. She had a massive headache. She said... I said, have you drink? Have you had any water? No. I happen to have a bottle of water. I gave it to her. I said, drink this water. She pounded it. And I was like, she's dehydrated. And Anna later was like, she also didn't eat her lunch. And I was like, well, no wonder she feels like crap. You know, she came through the door. She's got no fuel in the tank. Yep. And it hurts. It affects them in, you know, in the classroom and behavior and concentration, all that stuff. That's why we pack. We always pack the four food groups with my son. We've got... Uh, Grease, caffeine, sugar, and brown sugar. Every lunch. <laughs> Everything's included. Hey, I heard, like, uh, Sally Jenkins, uh, Washington Post columnist one time, told me that, you know, she always, she's, she figured out in early in her career that athletes talk about nutrition all the time. Like, we people you cover, they bring up nutrition, right? Like, you're talking to people, they bring up, hey, got to hydrate, got to rest, we got to, we got to, you know, our training table. But journalists who cover the games, do you ever – Think in those terms because you have to be on game and your brain has to be right when you're on deadline after a game. And I always thought, like, that that's an interesting conversation. Like, should I be – should I have a training table instead of a instead of a hot dog at halftime and a soda? Should I be packing, like, you know, nutritious food so that my brain is right when I need it to be right? Well, the other thing is that, that you know, most teams have their pregame meal, like, four hours before kickoff, four hours before tip-off, whatever it is. You know, journalists, a lot of time, you're eating right before the game or during the game, and so you end up getting that heavy stomach, and you just get mm. tired, and then you got to pump the caffeine to overcome that, and it just, you get into this vicious cycle of, of poor health, and that's basically been the last 30 years of my life. There you go. John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. That's why you tune in. Let's talk about, uh, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about the Pac-12 Tonight we're going to get a national championship game. Pac-12 will not participate in it. How far away from tonight's title game does the Pac-12 feel to you? You know, I think TCU makes it feel a little closer because TCU's picked seventh in the Big 12. Big 12's not very good. I mean, it's not like Georgia-Bama or Georgia-Ohio State where you're looking at all these five-star athletes that are headed into the NFL draft. TCU's a lot like most of the Pac-12 programs in that regard. So, the, the difference is TCU was able to get through the Big 12 season, a mediocre league, uh, get through the Big 12 season undefeated. The Pac-12 has had teams just like TCU in the past, and they've always stumbled once or twice, and they couldn't quite get through undefeated uh, to, to qualify for the playoff. I, you know, it, to me, TCU is kind of like an everyman that has, uh, you know, divided themselves into this party that is typically reserved for the teams with all the five stars. Lincoln Riley has showed up to the national championship game. He'll be there. He's getting some early camera time. Why is Lincoln Riley hanging out at SoFi Stadium for the title game? I get it he's in L.A., but is he is he up to something? Well, I mean, I'm sure he just wants to be seen, right? It's a good chance for him to draw draw some attention to his program uh that's my guess he probably also you know i don't know if he knows his friends with people on one of the staffs or players but you know it's that's 
that's where all the attention is right now, and I'm sure he wants to get on ESPN, that's for sure. Let's talk a little bit about Rick George. You and I did an interview with him today. Why was it important for us to talk to Rick George in your mind? Well, I think – don't you think the Deion Sanders hire is – I was trying to think, when was the last time there was a hire like this in the conference? And I don't know that there's ever been, right? It's, it's the same level of attention that the Lincoln-Riley hire got last year at SC, except Dion is – you know, he's a far less accomplished coach, but he's this – you know, he's a, a media star. He's a sports icon. Uh, there's never been a hire like it, and, and it's generated so much attention for Colorado and the Pac-12. I, I was just real curious as to pick Rick George's brain about what went into the hiring process. What, what did he see that made him think that Sanders could do more than attract attention, that he could actually coach and win at the Power Five level? You came away from the conversation kind of thinking that Rick George saw a huge upside, that, you know, Colorado could do the same old, same old, but he took a swing. I mean, it's a swing for the fences, and I like that. Their last swing was a strikeout, basically, right? Carl Durrell lasted two, a little over two years, a little over two seasons. And in some ways is the antithesis of Deion Sanders. Very, very low key, low energy. He's not going to, you know, rally your fans. He's not going to generate any attention for your program. So they kind of went ahead and did the opposite with Dion. He's, you know, he's uh, all about the spotlight and, and grabbing, putting, putting Colorado in the headlines and, and on ESPN and all that stuff. So they, they you know, yeah tend to try to compensate. If you make a mistake on a hire, sometimes you try to compensate by going the other direction, and that's, I think, what Dion is. They've got a tremendously difficult non-conference schedule next season. They open with Nebraska. They play TCU. They could be playing the defending national champion uh, or at least uh, you know, a finalist. Uh, what's, what's your uh, over-under for Colorado victories in Season 1 for Coach Prime? You know, I thought your number uh, that you offered during the podcast was a five, five and a half. I think that's probably pretty good. It's tough when you've got two difficult non-conference games, right? Because if you're under 500 out, outside of league play, then you got to go over 500 just to get to a bowl game. So to me, it's part of it's about the record, but a lot of it's just about are they going to be competitive and are they going to be competitive against the good teams in the, in the conference, right, against SC and against Utah, and against Oregon. Uh, you know, so if they end up 4-8, and eight, but they're playing those teams down to the wire, that's, that's a pretty good improvement. And I think that's a, realistic, that's a realistic goal for them. I want to play a cut from the, uh, from the interview. We, you know, I think you asked him uh, kind of about the, the, you know, the, the Pac-12 and you know, the, the, how the playoff may have impacted it changed the calculus, and here's what Rick George said. The expanded playoff, going to 12 teams, how does that change things? I mean, I don't know why you would want to go and join a conference where there's 16 to 18 when you can be in a conference of 10 to 12. Um, your opportunity, particularly when the top six-rated conferences have automatic bids and the top four get buys, um, why would you leave? Is he signaling to us that they may not expand, or if they do, it's only one or two. 
Yeah, I think it was more, I mean, it could be. It also struck me as him saying, you know, Colorado has no intention of leaving for the Big 12 uh, because all of a sudden in that case, you know, Big 12 could be a 16 or 18 conference. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that there's a lot to be said for, for his his point. You know, it, the playoff is a much bigger deal now uh, once it expands. And you do need to take into account you know, in terms of your conference affiliation, what's going to give you the best chance to get into the playoff? Now, the counterargument is, well, if you're going to get, you know, Big Ten money, then that that uh, might make it worthwhile, right? But the Big 12 is not necessarily offering Big Ten money. So, to me, it was more about, hey, Colorado wants to stay in the Pac-12 and compete for the Pac-12 championship and try to get into a playoff. I asked him about the noise from the Big 12, the possibility that there were meetings between the Four Corners schools. Uh, here's what Rick George said on that front. Look, the Four Corners have not talked to the Big 12, at least this corner hasn't. And um, I, I think, you know, in our room, and I talk about our AD room, I think there's a lot of commonality amongst the ADs in the room. And we're confident that with the right media deal, we become a very attractive uh, conference. And um, and we have a lot of confidence in, in George and, and his ability to negotiate a great deal. And, and yeah, you know, when, when UCLA and USC left, I think everybody looks over their shoulder a little bit, right? Uh, because you're like, what's next? And, you know, where are we going to be? And, you know, so I think in the initial phases, there was a lot of anxiety, which there should have been, um, you know, because we all care. And, and um, you know, but I think as things started to settle down, you know, there's some really cool heads in that in that room. And, and, you know, we met a lot. We talked a lot. We have a lot of respect for each other across the room. And um, and I think that was helpful to get us where we are. And now it's time for us to go out, get a great media rights deal and cement our place uh, in, in college football or in college athletics, period. When you uh, when you hear him talking there, Wilner, you know, can any of these athletic directors, can they trust each other? I mean, you talked about the commonality, but, I, you know, I go back to, you know, USC and UCLA were in that room once upon a time, and, you know, they, they stabbed uh, the rest of the members in the back and took off. Yeah, that's the thing is everybody could say they're, they're all in and they want to, the Pac-12 to continue forward uh, in solidarity. But at the same time, they all have a plan B or a plan C because uh, they just don't know what George Klyhov is going to come back with, right? And if and if it's a if it's a good deal, they're going to stick together. And if it's not a good deal, they're going to look at look at those plan B and plan Cs and see what they can put together. That's the thing you have to for the for the security and future of your school. You you have to have a a backup plan, right? They all do. We're talking to John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. Uh, Wilner, Cam Rising, Utah quarterback, uh, announces officially today that he will return to Utah. He's going to stay there. He said his mind made up uh, maybe uh, before the Rose Bowl even. Uh, what do you make of the stable of quarterbacks in this conference next season? Well, best maybe that it's ever been. Uh, certainly best it's been in 30 or 40 years. And it could be, you know, it depends in part, I think, on how some of the newcomers do, right? Shadur Sanders, Deion's kid, how's he going to do at Colorado? Uh, DJ Youngalele at Oregon State, how's he going to do? But just the returning guys alone, 
make it uh, should make for you know super exciting and entertaining fall. Right? It's all about the quarterbacks. Good quarterbacks equals good offense equals entertaining games, and there was a ton of entertaining games. And it, it you know, it should be a lot like that uh, next year too. All right, with rising back, uh, I have to put Utah at the top of the board. I say until you beat the champ, they're the champs. Who do you have uh, right now? In uh, you know, if you had to, if you had to today, gun to your head, pick a, a conference champion, a preseason champion. Who are you picking? See, I'm with you, ninety nine percent on Utah, but I am just not sure how healthy he is. Right? I mean, Kyle Whittingham said that it was a serious leg injury. Right? I mean, I I think a lot of people are guessing it's an ACL. So to me, that's the big question: is Rising healthy, either for the season opener or at least is he healthy when conference play starts or is he not 100 percent until you know the middle of october and i think that's a big question and and we don't know the answer yet because utah has not really disclosed the details of the injury but certainly if he's healthy i think you kind of got to pick utah uh i agree you know until until you beat the champ you got to keep keep picking the champ yeah and you look at you know the first six games of their season it's florida at baylor uh, at Arizona, at Oregon State, at USC, potentially, uh, to start their season, depending on the rotation, if they fall in rotation. Hey, Rick George talked about the schedule. Do you uh, do you think the holdup on the release of the schedule is is mostly about what? Pac-12 has not released their schedule. It's normally out in December for those who aren't as tuned in. I think it is about them uh, some schools were unhappy this is just my guess schools were unhappy with the lineup of games just yeah. hey you know you got to get cut us a little bit of a break here right i mean the pac-12 is not out to play favorites but what the pac-12 what the conference office is supposed to do is give everybody a fair shot right not put any teams at competitive disadvantages with the schedule and so they're moving along in the late fall like they always do. And then all of a sudden, all these quarterbacks start announcing they're coming back. And the conference looks like it's going to be a beast next year. And I just, I'm going to guess that a couple of schools thought, hey, man, that, that's, you've got to rework this. You can't ask us to do play X yep. and then Y yep. and then Z in that order. Amen. So to me, it's probably yeah. something about that. John Wilner, thank you. Appreciate you, my friend. All righty. Thanks a lot. Listen to the Canzano and Wilner podcast. You want to hear the rest of Rick George. Leave it right here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Our big splash. uh, We do it every day on the program. We tell you the one thing you need to know about uh, today, no different. We've got it for you. Let's uh, let it rip. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. Must be the big splash. Well, Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin was released from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center today. I'm going to say it again. He was released. From the hospital after spending almost a week there following his cardiac arrest on the field at Paycor Stadium last Monday night. 
The news uh, was shared by the doctors, uh, the team that was treating him. Uh, he flew from Cincinnati to Buffalo today. He's been transferred to Buffalo General Medical Center. He'll continue to get treatment there. Uh, you know, doctors uh, say that Hamlin jumped up and down on the opening kickoff return touchdown uh, that uh, the Buffalo Bills turned in on uh, Sunday against uh, the New England Patriots. Uh, you couldn't make it up if you wanted to. Uh, it's uh, great theater. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad he's stable. I'm glad he's making significant progress. This is an uplifting story, and we need more of these. Uh, Punch and Audio is coming up. Anna's going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk about bull riding. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.